This is the Remarkable Business Show on Remarkable.fm. I'm John Moss and this is episode nine. Cyclist, skier, international fugitive and all-round curious guy. Here's the latest edition of the Remarkable Business Show with your host, John Moss. Welcome to the show and it's good to be back. The last episode went out about 15 months ago so I am hanging my head in shame here and so a big apology for this rather lengthy gap. Why has this been, I hear you ask? Well, two things. One, I've been working on a work contract which has kept me rather busy and two, an incredible amount of travel which has been eye-opening and amazing. Before I go into the travel, there are a couple of important things I'd really like to cover. Firstly, this episode is dedicated to someone who recently passed away, Richard Wonderman. Richard was a good friend. He was better than that. He, he was an awesome friend. We met via Flickr and photography back in 2007 on the Canon Digital SLR forums. And we got on really well. We started emailing. We started talking. And I was coming over to New York in the summer of 2007. And he kindly invited me to come and stay. Uh, he lives a couple of hours north of uh, New York City. Richard and his wonderful wife Anne made me so welcome. We spent many enjoyable days taking photos, geeking out, talking about tech and Apple. Um, I've got some incredibly good memories of that time. And we met again in 2014 when visiting New York. And although we were thousands of miles apart, we got really close. We emailed, we FaceTimed a lot. I always enjoyed the conversations that we had. He was, he was so kind, wise, generous, and someone I looked up to, deeply admired and respected. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor in, in December, and he's been in treatment since, and sadly he left us a, a few days ago. So this episode is dedicated to you, Richard. I'm gonna really, really miss you. Richard was someone who always gave me wise counsel. He was very, very encouraging about a lot of things I did. And he was especially encouraging about something that I decided to do 10 years ago. And that was creating Hull Digital, the city's tech community. I created a meetup group back in January 2009 and started a website and basically said, if anyone's interested, come along to a coffee shop to say hello and meet some like-minded people interested in all things digital and tech. And 20 people came along to that and the rest is history as they say. The meetup group grew to over 1,200 members. I hosted 185 meetups and also founded and ran East Yorkshire's tech conference HD Live. From all of this I was approached to make the city's innovation and co-working space a reality and the C4DI was born and I worked on this for three years. I've written a little more about the experience of founding the tech community in the city and some very important things that I learned. So head on over to mossy.co.uk, that's M-O-S-S-Y.co.uk and search for Hold Digital and you'll find a post there. As I mentioned earlier, 2018 was the year of adventure. So 12 countries and cities, including Lisbon, Girona, Prague, Milan, Warsaw, Krakow, Zurich, Munich, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Hong Kong, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok, and of course, Chiang Mai. For those of you who listened to episode eight, I talked about spending some time in Chiang Mai, Northern Thailand. Well, I liked it so much, I went back last year with my partner and luckily she loved it as much as I did. We were joined by the Bear Grylls of the Welsh Valleys, Mr. Lewis, who had come to Chiang Mai on my recommendation, and luckily he really enjoyed being there. We spent a jam-packed three weeks working in Pun Space, one of the main co-working spaces in the city, and enjoying the wonderful way of life that you have out there. After returning to the UK, my partner and I decided we would go again over the winter, and so we're just back from spending a few months in Asia. We visited Malaysia, Singapore and ended the trip in Hong Kong staying at the excellent Hotel Icon and managed to catch up with an old friend, Richard, who is the general manager there. So if you want a great hotel in Hong Kong, check it out, Hotel Icon, and you'll see that the reviews are amazing. Now for a bit of honesty. It's been a bit of a struggle settling back into what you could call normal life. For one, the weather. We probably came back a little early and hit the cold winter snap. A 30 degree temperature difference is no laughing matter. And also it's very notable the way people behave here is very different to in Asia. It always amazes me that people over there have very little yet are always willing to give you anything. 
it seems to be the other way round here. I think we've got a lot to learn. Then we also have the small matter of the B word. I'm not going to go into this in much detail, but I want to make it very clear. I think Brexit's an utter embarrassment and we are doing the wrong thing for many reasons. But on a lighter note, we were blissfully away from all that nonsense while in Asia and we decided that the overriding feeling when living over there was that we felt younger. Yes, younger. And I'm no spring chicken. We had a scooter, did over a thousand kilometres zooming round the city. And you are taking your life into your own hands a little bit, but we were very sensible, wore helmets and um, even had masks on because the pollution can be a little bit bad in some places. We ate incredible food for very little and we met some wonderful new friends. So a big hello to Steve and G and hello to Naaman family. We attended art classes, improved our Thai very slightly and even got invited to meet the head monk of northern thailand and participate in a temple blessing ceremony with 500 locals which will be in our memories forever that was pretty special what we loved was just being in chiang mai the simple things were the best like eating in the night market buying fruit from a family roadside store or trying one of the many coffee shops and roasters over there and as you know i don't tolerate bad coffee i have one friend who assures me that his coffee is palatable it's not. It's instant and tastes like brown pond water. You know who you are. And this brings me on to the show's guest, a man who knows a thing or two about good coffee. And I admit it, I love coffee. In the UK, 81% of people now visit a coffee shop weekly, spending over £9 billion a year in over 24,000 outlets, and it supports over 210,000 jobs. So coffee is big business. And it's also something I love making every morning. My love of coffee probably comes from the time I was a barista in an Italian ski resort many years ago. It taught me the basics, although there wasn't any latte art then. I'm super pleased to welcome an old friend to the show, Steve Layton. If you're into coffee, you've probably heard of Steve and his company Has Been. You might have listened to him or watched him online. Steve's the founder of Has Been Coffee and he's also the co-creator of Temper Tantrum, a platform for his constant bickering and brainstorming with Colin Harmon. He's the co-owner of 3FE in Dublin and the co-owner of Drop Coffee in Stockholm. We actually recorded this conversation back in 2017 and so I picked up the phone a few weeks ago, apologised profusely for the slight delay and asked his permission for recording this or making this recording public. Luckily Steve was very understanding so please bear with us if there are a few things that are slightly out of date. I wanted to make sure I put this out as there is so much wonderful information about coffee and a terrific insight into how Steve has created a remarkable business. Remarkable businesses, remarkable people, and remarkable brands. Here's the latest guest for your listening pleasure. Well, I'm in a rather nice sound booth, suddenly. I know. It's kind of cool, this, isn't it? Nice space. Yeah, very uh, big thanks to the Tentacle guys Mm -hmm. um, who let... um, Myself and my guest for the Remarkable Business Show today is Steve Layton. So welcome, Steve, to the show. Hello, and thank you, and welcome, and all of those things, and thank you for letting me be part of it. This is uh, is quite exciting. Although, on trace descriptions, you may get told off for using me in a Remarkable Business podcast Definitely not, because you're both a remarkable business and a remarkable person. Hmm... Remarkable for what, though? This is what many, we ask. <laughs> many things. Many things. Fashion. Oh, I have no fashion sense. Yes, Running. Well spotted. Very bad runner, yes. Apple gear. I got all the apple kit. And you actually, you, you, you sort of do do a bit in coffee. Mm. I'm going to pull you up, actually, on one of your podcasts that you did about uh, being one of the first people to have the Apple iPhone in the UK. Number one in the queue in the Sheffield Apple store. Yeah, you see, I can beat you, though. Because I got one exported from the US before they were jailbroken. And all I had was a pretty brick. 
but that's how mad I am about the Apple stuff. I was talking about UK proper phone actually working. I was the second in line at the Canuck store. Um, okay. So yeah, we were so. actually in similar positions on the same day. I we remember, were. Yeah. I was sat outside a, a, I think it was a Vodafone shop. There are other phone shops available. But I was sat outside. I had a deck chair. Yeah. I had taken a Oh, I was sat chair. on the floor. I wasn't that well prepared. With my friend Jamie, he, he kind of came along and took me company and, and filmed me going in first. And it, is on, it is on YouTube. I think so, I've sadly. seen this, you know, now yeah, you mention it. Yeah, yeah. I think I may have seen I, it. I am there. So I'm here with Steve Layton from Has Been Coffee. Steve and I go back quite a way. I reckon mm. 2009, I'm yeah, thinking. I think it's earlier. I think Maybe it's earlier. earlier. I, I think, I I think it's 2007 customer. and 8, I think. I seem to remember the first think, time we spoke. Gosh, it was. And I was originally just a a, a fan and a customer. Mm. And I think we started emailing. Yes. So this was, um, I was going to say before Twitter, but Twitter launched 2006. Yeah, no, I think think we we were... Pretty early adopters to Twitter. I was a very early adopter to Twitter, and I know you were, and I think think this was where a lot of it came from. I know my user number. Yeah? 13,501. Wow. So that is quite early. I was on Twitter. I don't think I was that early, but I was I was fairly early. And certainly I remember being one of the first in the coffee community because I was yeah, talking yeah. to myself for a long time. <laughs> that echo still am. Still am. It's a bit like in the studio. Like, hello, Bueller, anyone there? And we start, I think we started talking mm. and, and then we did a little bit of work together. And yeah. I've always been a, a massive fan of what you do. And I've come down to Stafford today for a bit of a road trip mm. uh, which has been great fun everything's um, a road trip from Hull no it's not everything is a road nothing you like you have to go from Hull to somewhere you can't pass through Hull yes you can if you're going on the ferry to, <laughs> to, to Europe <laughs> which, which is fine which is great the ferry uh, we went um, the other week um, we drove over um, drove over to Europe we went on the overnight ferry and it's 15 minutes from where I live so that was very handy you but see, you're right I, yeah. Hull is the posh man's Norwich Okay. That's how I've always viewed it. I haven't to Norwich. Exactly, because you never needed to. You never passed through it, you know, and that's Hull a little bit. But you've been Sorry. to Hull. I have been to Hull. I you came, came to see you. Yeah, you came to see me back in 2009 and 2010. Yeah. And you kindly um, sponsored Hull Digital Live, the I tech did. conference I did back then. You kindly stuck me in a little side room while all of the posh people talked in the big auditorium and I spoke in a little breakout room. And I think, if I remember rightly, there wasn't a spare chair. There was Because wasn't. it was very packed. There and wasn't. And it was very popular. I think, I think people thought they were going to get free coffee. I think that was the main reason it was full. I did disappoint them on many levels, but the free coffee thing I also disappointed them on. No, but no, it was... it was coffee. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. why they came then. Dale, Dale came up and you set up a machine. That's right. And you made sure the conference had cracking coffee. That's right. That's right. I remember now. It's all flooding back. So you did do a road trip. Did do a road trip. Yes. No, came up and uh, that's the only time I've been to Hull. Are you kidding? No. So you're going to come up again? Yeah, because you got relegated like Sunderland did. So I dare say I'll be doing a game next season there. I'm not the um, world's foremost expert on football. That's why we've not talked about it. I understand. Don't worry. We can talk about bikes and things. That'd be better. Bikes, cars, tech. Yeah, indeed. We're all sorted. That'd be great. So it's it's lovely to see you again after haven't, we haven't seen each other for probably six seven years yes give or, give or take but we've I, always I, kept in touch yeah I've always been watching from afar what you do um, you were you were one of my early Twitter friends on there and 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 Flickr as well I yeah. see a lot of you on Flickr I love Flickr like still going Flickr do you know it's like it's such a resource that's untapped by so many techie people I feel that uh, Flickr is like. It's basically a hard drive for all my... I lost, I lost a hard drive full of photos and I could have been distraught, Ooh. but I hadn't because I'd uploaded them to Flickr and okay. just downloaded them all again and fixed the problem. That sounds like a good plan. So, yeah, Flickr is good and I, I, I love seeing your photos on Flickr. Um, I think I put my Instagram ones go on there automatically okay. um, via IFTTT and if people wonder what we're talking about, I will put some yeah. <laughs> put some links. But uh, you see, Instagram, like, I don't, I don't follow you on Instagram, I don't think... Uh, I, I have I follow virtually nobody on Instagram, but like it's great that I pick them up on Flickr, and yeah. that's the medium that I'd like to consume your stuff yeah. on. And it's kind of, that's why I think Flickr is good. Flickr is is great, um, and it was. So I can't cheap. remember. It's yeah, thirty. 
bucks a year <laughs> premium subscription. It's, pre it's pretty good. So we've always kept in touch, which is fab, but we haven't seen each other, which is why I came down. Mm. And I'm blown away by the has-been operation because I originally came down here for a visit 2008, 2009, yeah. maybe something around that with with Kate, and we um, had a look around the roastery then, which was what I thought was pretty big then. But now you're huge. But you know, we're so not as well though. I mean, there's there's so many more roasteries out there that are big, okay. uh, and there's yeah. so many more roasteries that are much smaller as well. And the thing is, is the internet has, I think, has turned this business into something that you, it's very difficult to conceptualise the size. Yeah. Like because you know, small businesses look big, big businesses look small, yeah. and like you know, and what and what it meant. But it is it is a it's a great space that we work in. I'm I'm very lucky. I designed it from the ground up uh, six years ago. Um, I actually visited an exporter in Guatemala that had got this beautiful cupping room that overlooked their warehousing space where they stored all the coffee. Ah. And the inspiration came from that. I, I literally was there drawing pictures in, uh, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. And as soon as I came back off the plane, I went and talked to my landlord and said, like, you've got that empty unit there. Can I have it? And he was like, yep. Yeah. And just literally win a brilliant split and, and that's a lot of the way that I've kind of done this but it's a very dangerous way to do things but I just go I'm going to do that and I looked at the budget and thought oh yeah we've got about 30 40 grand for that and as I was saying to you earlier it came in 150 grand I was like oops ah. <laughs> but then you get to the point where you just can't cut a corner you can't do anything different so yeah the space is designed to be a roastery yeah in my mind how the workflow should be and I spent a lot of time thinking about workflow and how things come in and things go out and and like if you look at it, it's like a horseshoe it, it kind of a weird shaped horseshoe but it's a horseshoe the way that coffee comes in gets roasted gets put into bags comes out and goes back out the door and um yeah it kind of works it's a nice space and we, we you very kindly gave me a tour earlier and we looked at you know whether you know you've got wholesale orders going out you've got the consumer orders going out you've got the roastery you've got your offices as well you've got a lovely that space looking over the roaster, as you said, with super comfy chairs, and you've got loads of brewing equipment, and that's where you do you do a lot of training, don't you, for people? We talked about this a little bit earlier, saying that you, people want to serve great coffee, they'll often buy great coffee, but they then don't really do something great with it, and that's where things can go horribly wrong. I mean, consistency is everything with good coffee. It's kind of if you think about it, if you you were buying beer, I know you don't drink, so it's a bad example, but I'm going to use it, and like you say, I'll just go and brew it all yourself. You go. Well, that's not going to be very consistently brewed beer. But with coffee, we quite often go, here's the ingredients, don't go brew it yourself, you know, on whatever brewing equipment you like, on whatever setup and however you want to do it. And with very little instruction. So we do a lot of the training stuff. We've we've rolled out a programme. So the SCA, which is the Specialty Coffee Association yeah. of the world. It used to be of Europe, but they've combined with the Americans. They've so gone big. It's of the world. Um they do a certified program of barista and brewing and uh, also roasting. And we've started to roll that out, not just to coffee shop owners and coffee shop baristas, but also to home consumers. Um, so you can actually be a certified yeah, certified barista. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you can have a certificate saying you're a barista, even if you're just a home barista that wants to learn a little bit more. Okay, so that's uh, maybe what I need to do because I'm I'm only using my AeroPress at home at the moment, but um, I've got uh, grand designs for uh, for having a proper a proper. Well, machine. definitely when you get that machine, I would I, I would insist upon it. Okay, um, I'm going to come I back think because Sonali, who's our our qualified uh, trainer to deliver the courses has got heaps of experience and, and has judged at like a competition level yeah and can just help you get the very best out of the machines in fact one of the guys who works for us in dispatch we were talking earlier about how difficult it is to get staff uh, off mic and luke who's um he's actually dating my sister as well which is a bit weird who also works for me oh gosh but um luke knew nothing about coffee when he came to us and actually had very little interest he just wanted a job and he was putting things into envelopes and sending them out the door and he started to get a bit more interested in it and he was asking questions and stuff so i said well why don't you do the barista basic course and you'll learn some stuff and he loved it, it was like you know a great incentive we'd got a space on the course anyway because somebody had dropped out and it was like but like a day off work doing the stuff and then he came to me about a month later and said Steve I love that he says but I really want to do the intermediate now can I do that too so he's he's gone on and done that and like he had no brewing experience at all and actually no interest in coffee and he made me a cappuccino the other day it was fantastic just because it's basic skills you know? yeah 
And, yeah. you, and it makes all the difference. You can have great kit, you can have great coffee, yeah. but then you can kind of make some big mistakes or, or, ju- or just not do it quite how it should be. Yeah. And I mean, are there any tips for people who want to just, maybe they've got a cafetiere, maybe they're thinking about grinding or maybe they've bought ground or they're buying beans. What, what tips would you give someone at home who wants great coffee? I'm going to be greedy and I'm going to do two instead of one. So the first thing is, whatever level that you are drinking coffee, buy a grinder. Yeah. Even if it's a cheap grinder. Like, I don't like the blade grinders that chop the things up. I prefer a burr grinder. Yeah. But honestly, I prefer a chopped grinder over you buying pre-grained because it just it keeps so much of the freshness in the bean. When you increase the surface area of coffee for the water to be in contact with it, you know, that's how the flavour comes out because you haven't got much surface area when it's a bean. But also, you're increasing the surface area so stuff can get out. And as soon as you grind it, that stuff's getting out. So that would be number one. Yeah. Second one would be measure stuff. Like, the amount of times I brewed great coffee before I brewed with scales, and I'd brew like a cafetiere, and it'd be perfect. And I'd go, wow, why was it perfect? I've got nothing to actually try and repeat that. So now, you know, I weigh out the coffee, and I weigh out the water that I'm putting in, and I time things. And sometimes keeping little notes, particularly if you're trying to find the best out of a brew, can just be wow, these things came together and they're awesome. And I did this weight of coffee to this weight of water, so this ratio and this amount of brew time. I'm going to try that again, but maybe add a little bit more coffee, add a little less water, add a little more water. Like, you could, you've got something to tweak, whereas if you just have that God shot um, and it's, you can't repeat it because you've got no parameters yeah. to repeat it with. What so. did I do then? And then you think, yeah, I can't remember what I did. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's like you wouldn't make a recipe for a cake and not write down, I used two eggs and, you know, this amount of flour and things. And brewing coffee is no different. You want, if that cake's delicious, you want to rebake that cake the same way next time and the same with coffee. That sounds very good. There's some top tips there. Top so tips, completely free you. of charge. Um, well, actually, no, I'll invoice you later. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> and, and if people wanted to learn a bit more, you've actually got something online called Coffee 101. Oh, you're just trying to big yourself up here, John. No, I'd actually forgotten a little bit about this. Yeah, he's bigging himself up here. So Coffee 101 is a 10-step email introduction to brewing good coffee at home. And it gives you the basics of where coffee's grown, um, you know, how to brew, uh, what pre- what pulp natural or natural washed means, what varietals mean. And it was inspired by John who was doing a, you were doing a, I think it was a 10 day course. Transform your marketing. Transform your marketing and how it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I always sign up to stuff that you do. I'm currently signed up to your excellent newsletter that people Thank can you. sign up on the apple of my eye with an eye, not an eye. Yeah, dot com <laughs> slash <laughs> newsletter. Yeah, you um, can get to it there. I still love the plugin. We're awesome at this, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're practiced. Um, but no, I, I, um, so I set up this. You suggested that it could be a good thing for coffee, and we've had thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people sign up to that uh, newsletter, and we promise not to spam because we're good people like John too. But it's really just get you interested in what coffee can be. And there's a few voucher codes embedded in there as well for you to get some... And the history of coffee as well. There's also the history of coffee and where it comes from. Exactly. And and I re... I redid it recently, so we re-upped the site because it did look awful, uh, but also went back to the content, and it was amazing. I, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to rewrite everything here. I actually didn't have to rewrite. I just had to update it a little bit. It was actually really solid, good information. I was like, who wrote this? It can't possibly it was be you. Well, Many think, years ago. It may have been copy and paste. I can't remember. Nah. <laughs> no, I, li- I like the, um, the, the all the top tips are great, and, and the history of coffee and where coffee comes from is so important, and... This is something you've really kind of almost taken to a, a different level over the past few years, going to the places where you're getting your coffee. And your passport's fairly well stamped. Yeah, 127 flights last year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm up to 43 so far since January the 1st this year, and it's, what, uh, May. So where have you so, been this year? Uh, I've been to Kenya. I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to Guatemala. I've been to El Salvador. I've uh, been to Nicaragua. I've been to... I'm going to Ethiopia next week. Yeah, been a lot of places. Okay. Getting a bit dizzy. But no, I think I, I'm a foodie. You know, I, I know you're into your food yep. fairly in a big way too. And like for me, the story is always enhanced when I know where my foods come from. Yeah. So knowing about the farmer, knowing about, you know, how he treats his, you know, the animals on the farm, how he treats the people who work with him, stuff like that is, is vitally important to me. And I really want to know that stuff. And I think coffee's no different. People want to know 
that it's not just a commodity, that there are people behind it. There are real people who are not necessarily doing badly either. Like this story of, you know, the poor farmer with his sandals and his donkey, um, you know, and and climbs up the hill. It's not necessarily the case. A lot of these guys are landowners who are, are doing very well, but actually looking after the people who work for them. Um, looking after the environment, looking after so many different things. And that's always been my inspiration. So much so, I'm, I was telling you earlier, I'm nearly at the end of writing a book, which is called uh, Coffeeography, which right. is basically a, an autobiography of all of the producers that we're buying from. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Because you got to know quite a few of them because you, you're you're buying from them every year and you've helped them actually create their you know do what would they do with the crop and how they well, it's going to be over it's going to be over 40 producers that are in there and i haven't gone to everybody and it, and it, it really is like everybody's got a unique story and then that's what i've always tried to get across with the way that we buy our coffees i want that unique story to come across just as i want the unique story of the amazing piece of beef i buy from a staffordshire farmer yeah. that's 10 miles down the road who i see going past on his tractor like everybody wants that story but coffee's different because we can't grow it in this country so i see it as my job to be the conduit to get that story here so people understand it and i think that that's that sounds fantastic and i i totally agree with that i i look at it that too many brands and companies are utterly anonymous yeah and um, there's a there's a there's a good saying that um, facts tell, stories sell. And I, okay, we're not all about just uh, capitalist pigs selling. But <laughs> sell, story, sell, sell. Stories are good. And I, you, you know, even to um, I'm I'm a big fan of a brand called McNair, and they make mountain shirts. And I went over to meet the person who made my shirts, um, Josie, over in Huddersfield, and and met um, Natalie from uh, who, who's involved in the brand. And it's great. Yes, you can pay a little bit more, but you know it's actually going to someone who really, really cares. And that's, I think, I that's think there's the same, a reason. isn't it? It is the same, but I think there's a reason that brands become an anonymous. And, and, and in lots of ways, I'm very jealous of those brands. So if I could go back and start again, would I have put myself so front and centre of has-been? You know, would it have been has-been Steve so much? I don't know. But would because it have been as... Success. I, well, I don't know either. Like, but the thing is, is like I see why people do that because brands are very expandable. I'm looking at that battery case thing that you've got there. It's very beautifully put together. It's lovely, and you can produce that anywhere in the world, and it doesn't matter about the person behind it. That's expandable. Whereas I'm not expandable, and I am currently so thinly spread doing many, many things. It's really difficult. So I understand why the brands go for that approach of you know anonymizing it because then they can scale. Yeah, because yeah, because everybody yeah. thinks that I'm still roasting all the coffee and I'm still packing it all and you're I'm not. producing the info. I'm not. It's a terrible, you're wicked kidding. lie. You're kidding and me. The thing he says, I've never purported that lie. I've never actually said I've done those things. People just assumed that I do everything because I'm the face on Twitter and the face on Instagram and you know I made it a very personal brand like we were talking earlier about my Instagram I took a picture of my son at the stadium of lights yeah you know that's not very coffee related is it no that's about you it's about me but I don't see my Instagram as any different to it being me because has been is me and yeah. I am has been yeah um but that has its downfalls too. <laughs> you can't. You can do anything. You can't do everything, which yeah. we talked about earlier as well. And you know, there's a choice with what you do. And I think that's you've got to that point in the business. You were saying that you can't do it all. That um, you declared email bankruptcy last year. I did. Um, you know, email is actually a task list made by someone else for you. <sighs> it's my opinion of email. So you, you, I enjoyed your newsletter bit about that very much because. <laughs> I do have a problem with with it. It got to a point that I was getting 450 emails a day. A day. And I was dealing with them all. I was answering every single one. But all I was was an email monkey. And yeah. and and it tied me up and it burnt me out. I mean, I, I yeah. we we have Zendesk, which is a platform that email feeds into and you can assign to different people and I was running pretty much most of that up until 2011 2012 that's not sustainable and i had to step away yeah. i couldn't do it anymore because like you know email is hard because people can be really really rude and really horrible and not think that there's somebody the other end that's taking it personally yeah. and i have a huge problem with that because i'm terrible at taking criticism and i know i don't do everything right but i'm even worse at taking criticism for the producers we're buying from yeah. so somebody emails in and says that coffee was horrible and it was disgusting and i didn't like it 
I can take that I might have messed it up, but I can't take that a producer messed it up because I, I know they didn't. Yeah. Um, and it may be that it just wasn't to their taste and stuff. And I had to step away because I was, I was getting upset. It was making me sad that people can just say those things without thinking about the repercussions of other people's feelings and thoughts. And um, you've managed to change this now and, and you almost have got better in terms of spending your time on things that really provide value to you and the business yeah i mean there's some things that you know i can't give to other people so for instance selecting green coffee and going out to meet the producers and managing those relationships you can't farm off somebody to manage your relationships for you like it's you can't have an assistant that does that because you know the producers that we're buying from the only reason we get the good coffees that we have and is because we've worked with them for many years and i spent christmas at one of our coffee producers house a couple of years ago um because we're mates you know so and i love that part of my job i absolutely do it so i put the bigger that got the less i couldn't do the other stuff here so you can't manage a team in stafford when you're in el salvador you know it's impossible so i i've had to get the team to manage themselves to a certain extent but also i fought it for a long time but we didn't have a hierarchy you know everybody just did their thing and isn't this cool and aren't we great and you know yeah we're doing the hip thing of nobody's in charge and somebody needs to be in charge it works really badly (laughs) it works up to a point and you can give people I'm a big believer in giving people the responsibility. Autonomy is completely different to giving them uh, free reign, yeah. you know, and, and, and not have any repercussions for that free reign. So we've been very good at making sure people own their departments so yeah. they can make their own decisions. And I always support them. If, I always say, like, you, as long as you can justify the decision you made to me afterwards, I'm, I'm, I'm super. E- yeah. Even if it's burn the roastery down and your mythology for burning the roastery down was that it saved the planet and there was and it was true and you thought it was true then i will support it you know it's got to be you've got to let people do their job but they also need to know where to go to when they're out of the depth and that's what we didn't have people around me so my i kind of i don't want to say senior management but they they knew they could come to me with stuff but the people below that because they were all doing their thing didn't feel that they could go anywhere but to me and if i'm not there that wasn't a good thing so putting a structure in place so people know that you know people help and support and not judge because they don't know how to do something is a superb thing Um, and and we're humans we love that stuff we love to know where to go to if we can't do stuff you know it's like having a tech support line is a good thing it really is (laughs) and talking of kind of tech i suppose and you know the internet how how have you you started out that has been a business as a business what the roastery the first roastery 2003 Okay, and you actually started... That was in the back of my garage at home, so... Your story up to that and past that, you were doing something slightly different. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I was locking people up. On a, on a, <coughs> on a regular basis. On a regular basis, I was a prison officer, so um, at seven years old, I decided I wanted to be a prison officer. Not because I knew any prison officers, not because I'd ever seen a prison. I didn't even really know what a prison was, but I loved porridge. Ah, the TV programme. And that was it. Your, your <coughs> was career it. was set. And I decided at seven that I was going to be a prison officer. And then I went out and found out what a prison officer was and spent a long time trying to get in. So when you're 16 and leave school, you can't be a prison officer. So I went and worked in mental health for uh, seven years as an unqualified nurse uh, and loved that. Absolutely loved it. Worked in a secure unit for the mm-hmm. criminally mentally ill. Had great times there. Really enjoyed it. Joined the prison service after many years of trying to get in finally got in and within a week realized i hated it um, ah. yeah yeah it's um, you've got to be a special kind of person to lock up another human being and not it not affect you and um, you did that for a while though i did I, I started in 1997 and i didn't leave until christmas eve 2008 goodness me yeah it was my last shift and it was during your time working in the prison service that your love of coffee was ignited yeah well, I'd, already, I'd always been a coffee fan so again at seven years old i made another decision and that was that uh, i asked my mom for a filter coffee maker for christmas which is a bit weird for a seven-year-old just a bit a bit weird for a mom to let you do that as well but my mom was very good and always let me do whatever i wanted thank you <laughs> thank you mom <laughs> yeah we used to have a shop in wolverhampton called snapes which was uh, a very oldie worldy oak lined wrap things in brown paper kind of place you know like and pre-harry potter pre-harry potter and uh, i was obsessed with it because when you walk past there was smoke that came out of the floor and i like smoke as a seven-year-old you know you kind of like fire and smoke and stuff 
And uh, he'd got a roaster there that he was roasting the coffee. And we used to go ice skating once a month in Wolverhampton. We'd walk past on the way to the bus and I'd like, I want to go in there. And I used to follow him around and bother him and ask him lots of stupid questions. But then hit teenager years, you know, found girls and white lightning and parks oh, to sit in. I know, I know. I, I'm from Cannock, you know. You can take the boy out of Cannock, but you can't take the Cannock out of the boy. And then ended up getting a job and... Ended up working nights and found coffee again as a fuel, much more than a, a, a flavour thing. Yeah. But then the more I got into it, because I've always been flavour obsessed, um, got more and more into... I was exporting green beans from the US to roast at home and, and sat there one night in the prison thinking I didn't want to do this anymore. Why am I buying coffee off the internet from America when I could do it here? And this was like 98, 99... So, like, buying stuff off the internet was a bit weird back then. But um, Someone had to do it. Somebody we, 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 to. we started early, probably, buying stuff. Oh, jeez, um, yeah. I mean, off the internet. And I, I remember our first website. Like, I would never have given my credit card to that website ever, ever, ever. Like, the fools. The fools that did it. I mean, that was pre, pre-you being part of it. But the first, I actually... Time machine. I managed to get oh, a screenshot. Yeah. The way way back machine. That's it. Yes, way back machine. That's um something you can people. I'll put the the link in the in the notes. You can look at what websites used to look at, and it's kind of a it's a, an archive of the web. So I went for a, a lime green background with brown text. Nice. Mm, I really nailed the whole style thing. But people did give me their money. They idiots. So um, when was that? That was two thousand and three when I first set up. So my first web site cost me 50 mockers wow so a lad who used to come in the coffee shop uh so we had a coffee shop before um he was 16 and at college and he came in and he said oh i could build your website to sell stuff i had a custom built cgi website for uh, 50 mockers for 50 mockers bargain yeah bargain and um but it was just it was a nightmare um so then we ended up on os commerce you yes. remember OS Commerce? I do, back in this kind of thick fog and mists of time. Yeah, yeah. So then we, we were OS Commerce and, and then we've gone through different platforms and now we're on Shopify. But uh, but with a heavily customised kind of bespoke back end, you were telling indeed, me Indeed, indeed. So the front the front end is the, the, the store part, but we don't use any of the back end stuff. We, lit- we rip everything out with their APIs and spit it into a more intelligent machine that can do shipping labels and bag labels and meta fields and manage subscriptions and all of those things so we're we're very lucky that um you know shopify is a fantastic front-end platform for me and i think there's nothing better out there yeah um you know for customer experience and ease of use it works very well but their back end lacks a little bit because it's not geared up for volume stores and i'm not saying we're a volume store by any means but i think we're we're not the target of Shopify's, you know, they're expecting people to sell 10, 20 things, you know, a day on them, I think. I think that's the majority of what feeling I get from Shopify. And you're selling a, a bit more than that these days. Yeah, I mean, it depends. But, you know, c- certain days we can send out you know, 1,500 items in a day or 1,500 orders in a day, individual orders. Okay. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it, it's not always like that. But, but, yeah, you know, we needed something that was a little bit more uh, customised. I think the front end is perfect for that. And that investment in the business in terms of software and processes and efficiency is something you'd absolutely say has been a key to success? For sure. And I mean, we made them at strange times. So like we, we, we've always managed to expand when we didn't need to. <laughs> which Predi- was odd predicting the future I am Nostradamus of the coffee world but like we, we when we moved Rose Street we didn't need to move Rose Street it felt like the right time because we were starting to feel tight with the space but yep. we did it and by the time we actually got in there we were desperate to get in there because we'd grown and the same with the back end systems with the APIs and Shopify that we were getting to a point where we were tying up two people a day so two full days two man, you know, man days a day just data inputting gosh which yeah. is crazy. Like, nobody yeah. wants to do that, first of all. Uh, the second part is you make mistakes because humans make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was a waste of money. So we introduced the new system and overnight we got two extra staff, which was great because we needed them because all of a sudden we got busier because we'd updated the front end of the site and you know, people had more confidence in what we were doing. And, and I think that's the thing is investing in that kind of thing, investing confidence of your customers because we don't get things wrong as, as often now. So we our customer retention's better because that data input. Everybody makes mistakes and I don't think you can ever eliminate them. But the more you eliminate 
the more your customer experience is going to be good, which is going to be less working, you're responding to their complaints, which means a happier customer. Yeah. You know, and you've got a big focus on customer service. Oh, you? massively, massively. I think like w- when I first started, there were a, a lot of big names in coffee. People won't realize this here, but there's, there's actually like rock star coffee people in there. And I'm not one of them. But like, I'm not cool. In well, I'd beg to differ. <coughs> You're fairly. Uh, I'm, I'm the Val Dunican of the rock world, but um, okay. I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard that before. They're, they're a lot cooler, so you can't compete with their cool. And I can't compete with their cool. They're they're very cool people out there. And I also couldn't compete with the money that was being. You know, they were getting people back in them, and I hadn't got any back in, so I couldn't compete with the money that was being invested. But what I could compete in was actually caring. So caring about the customer experience. Yeah. So as I was saying, up until 2011, every email that came into Hasbeen, I replied. Personally replied to every single email. And even now, I still respond to a lot of emails. You phone up, please don't phone up. We've got a t- telephone system that tries the hardest to get you to not speak to anyone. But if you do phone up and you happen to be lucky and get through, it's the phone on my desk that rings. You know, So like, I want to have that customer contact because with web shopping, you never have a chance to talk to your customers unless it goes wrong, and ever. That, and that's not good. It's not good. But if you can turn it into a positive, so the chance you do get to speak to them, they go away thinking, that was awesome. Like, didn't they do a good job? Wow, I never expected them to react like that. You know, that's, and that's priceless. Because and they tell people. Exactly. So the people who you're not talking to get to hear that you're really good when stuff goes wrong. And that's kind of good, you know? Because <laughs> like, then that feeds around that ecosystem of, Twitter, I, I never, I've never, I'm, I'm probably going to curse myself here, but I've never seen somebody say, hated the response from has been. Yeah. Like, I've had people say, don't like the response, but I understand it, you know, but like, never hate it because we always want people to go away feeling better than they came because if they come with a problem, they're feeling pretty bad and you want them to go away feeling better and you can't fix everything. But if you can yeah. fix something, then that's a good thing. And it's a good opportunity for brands. And you, you do this perfectly in, in terms of making that bad experience into something actually they're going to be happier with. Yeah. And that makes a bit of, that, that works extremely well, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think a lot of that thing about not being able to talk to the customers when things are going right is one of the things that I've loved the most about the other things that we've done with you know like but so anybody who knows anything about has been on here hello um but also they know about in my mug and in my mug it's a video podcast i've done episode 456 we're about to record where i spend great name terrible name terrible name great name so where i'm going with this is that john me me and john were this was a time where we were really talking about stuff and we were into uh wine library tv with gary v the gary vayner chuck who i've met a number of times now have you mm. oh my is he is he in real life (coughs) just as big as he is online he's even nicer so I went to, you remember the wine library I did? Yes. So I, I got him, I, I, I bought 50 of his book on it when I was drunk at night, like give me computer and drunk at night, I'm great. But I ended up going to do a wine library with him. And when I went down there, I'd forgot the glasses, but three bottles of amazing wine for us to taste. And like, they were amazing, but I forgot the glasses. So we ended up drinking out the bottle. And he just made all of the time to make it happen. He's a lovely guy. But this wine library TV was a wine tasting program where he would drink three wines and talk about them and talk about the provenance of them. And, and you said to me, why don't you do that with coffee? I was like, that's stupid. And then about a week later, I was searching domain names and, and doing it. And I bounced names off John and I came up with some really good ones as well. I, I'm going to have to see if I'm finding that email. We've but, probably got it somewhere. Yeah. It's probably um, in the archive. Yeah, but John chose In My Mug and... It stuck. Mugs, you see, have such a negative connotation in the specialty coffee world. Everybody's cups, and mm. I actually own in my cup and in my demitasse as well. I think it, t- different domain names. That's, that's, a, a, that's a different drunken addiction I have at night, where I buy domain names. I think I own about hundred odd domain names. But yeah, so John was the reason that in my mug started, and it's, it's all been your a real success. It has. I mean, we have we've you know one thousand five hundred subscribers a week uh, to the coffee. Um, we get on average around about five to 10,000 views per week um, and they never die. So the back catalogue gets watched and watched and watched. So The long tail of <coughs> quality coffee content is online in my mug. It's just crazy. I mean, I think about how many hours and how much energy I've expended into it. And it's a very transient thing. Like as a podcast, 
there's only so many times you can sit, a, sit and watch a ginger-haired guy drink coffee in front of a camera. You'd think. You'd but, think. But, but, you know. I'm saying that I've managed to do... I've, I did one on a train once. I did one in a car. I did one in business class on British Airways once. With how, the, did, how did that go down? That was quite good, actually. The air steward came on and waved to the people. Oh, um, very good. Yeah, where else have I done them? I've, do, I've done them in some very strange places. Uh, and a boat. I did this on a boat in the middle of the Irish Sea once, in a rowing boat. I couldn't do that. The old uh, moss sea legs are, 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 are not good. <laughs> not good. But yeah, it's, it's been it's been a, a definitely been an adventure. I did one at Ardman Studios. Now that um, would have been good. That was very cool. I did one in the swimming pool uh, in El Salvador. Right. Okay. Um, Different location. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun. The equipment held up. It did. It was on the side of the pool, so I was okay. All right. But I had a lot of comments about my tattoo on my chest. So. Okay, not your speedos. Not my speed. You couldn't see my speedos. So the, the, Thank been, uh, the Lord. Yeah, the budgie smugglers were hidden. Nice. Goodness me. And you've been spending a bit of time in Scandinavia. I have. I have. I, um, tell us a little bit about, um, about Drop Coffee. Yeah, so I got an opportunity about two and a half years ago uh, to go and consult uh, for Drop Coffee, which is a very well-known brand, like very strong brand um, in not just in Sweden, worldwide, super well known. But for some reason, they, they the numbers weren't coming in. So the brand was there. Everybody liked what they did. It was very Scandi cool, yeah. uh, but nobody was buying it. So it's that classic kind of marketing brand issue that they, uh, there's awareness, yeah. but that's it. Exactly, exactly. And, and they couldn't work out what was happening. So they asked me to go along and basically just cast an eye across. And I, I get asked, not a lot, but often, um, to go and do this kind of thing, and I've no interest at all. But I like the guys there, and Eric and Joanna, who were the owners, were, were good friends, and it seemed good a, a good thing to do. And they got me drunk one night, and I went, oh, all right then. So I went out and uh, did all of my thing, came back, and I just said, how much money have you got? And they were like, none. I said, well, you need to find some by September, otherwise you're out of business. You're burning money too quickly, and I can't see any way of stopping that unless you've got more money to invest and then take it on and... It was pretty hard. I gave them some suggestions of things that they, sh- they should focus on and should do, but I didn't see any way that they could survive without more injection. And then the following morning, I was about to leave and I got a phone call from Eric, who was one of the owners. He was the majority shareholder and said, did I want to buy his share? And I was like, geez, no, no, this is a terrible idea. So out, <laughs> like, of the, out of the blue somewhat. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why would I want to buy something that I've just said he's about to die? You know, and I kind of went, don't be so ridiculous. And then I got to the airport and I was on the aeroplane on the way. It's just in the back of my head. I was thinking, I could probably fix this. You know, there's always something arrogant in us that we think, I could fix that. I can do that. I could do I that. I can turn this round. Yeah, jeez, with my contacts. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I, I came back a week later to do a, a final presentation with the numbers and things of, of what I suggest, was suggesting. And I just, I f- afterwards I said to Eric, I said, well, how much do you want? He came back with a number that was super reasonable. So I bought 80, 60% share and ended up being co-owner. Um, first thing I did was give 10% away um, to Joanna, who is uh, the other partner in the business. And um, I didn't, I don't like businesses where there's uh, split equity. Um, We've done, I did a very similar thing with 3FE in Dublin when I became partner in that one was like, no, no, straight down the middle. And it worked so well that I wanted to repeat that for for Drop. And um, yeah, since then, we we started working much closer together. We we started traveling um, a lot more. And as these things tend to work out, she's also now my partner as well. So not just business partner, but the the real life partner. I'm doing the inverted commas for those who can't see in radio world. But um, yeah, no, we're very much, um, it's weird because we think very similarly and work doesn't stop and then we end up going home and work carries on which is not a good thing but luckily she's Swedish enough uh, that she loves vacations and loves to go swimming and things like that so I have to switch off some Um, but that's been a big challenge uh, learning a new language uh, as much as everybody speaks English in Sweden um, there are some things you need to understand Swedish for. For instance, their online banking doesn't have a translation, oh. um, which I've, I've learned lots of lon, his salary. Um, <laughs> I've learned lots of things like that. And also just the way the business is done. Like, wow, 
so different. Um, and we've refitted the shop and we've invested in the, we're moving roasteries in the next six months into a new roastery and really changing things around. Um, we haven't grown it as much as we might have liked, um, but actually drop was never meant to be another has been. I didn't want to repeat the same mistakes. I think having something small and unique and beautiful and crafted that is at the higher end of the market is is fun too. Um, you know, like we can spend a little bit more time on packaging than we can at has been, you know, because we have much lower volume and it's yeah. much more handcrafted. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's fun. It's, it, it looks fun. Yeah. I was looking, looking at the website and it's a you know, lovely brand yeah. and, um, you know, you're spending, you know, quite a bit of time um, o- over there. And I'm, I'm certainly a massive fan of kind of that kind of Scandinavian, whether that's Danish, Swedish, um, that lifestyle and an aesthetic, which I think you mentioned earlier when we were chatting off mic. And it's just a nice place to be, isn't it? And they've got, it's not only just design, but it's the way of life. It is, it is. And it's very much the quality of life. Um, You know, it is no... It's no surprise that they always come top in the quality of life, Uh, you know, things that you see of Europe uh, and the world. They have... Um, very strong high taxation, which I'm a big fan of. I like. I, I actually I like high taxes. I think we should all pay more taxes. You know, you reap the benefits of that. Um, but they also have very strong employ- employment laws. So um, it's really expensive to employ somebody. It can be. It's forty percent more on top of employing them. So. If I give you £25,000, I've got another 40% of that to find to put on top for my costs as an employer. But that's a good thing, you know, it's, it makes you value employees more and you make sure that they don't burn out, you know, they've, mm. they, they've got plenty of time off. There's a, a thing going through at the moment where they're looking to reduce the working day to six hours a day, um, which I, I, I kind of work the other way where I work the 18 hours a day and sleep the six hours a day. But they're... I was going to say, you uh, probably couldn't do six hours. No, 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 no. The good thing, it doesn't apply to employers. Okay, um, you're safe then. But no, it is a, it's a fantastic uh, lifestyle and, and, and really makes you reevaluate what's important. You know, yeah. I've gone through spending much more time there and I think my... my, my Work-life balance is much stronger than it's ever been. I'm much more balanced towards enjoying life uh, and work isn't everything. Um, whereas Absolutely. three years ago, I think you'd have found a very different me. Yeah, and I, I'm a big believer in that, in, in that you've got, to, you've got to look after yourself now to make sure you're not burned out in X number of months, years ahead in the future. And, and actually, it's a, it's, it can be a hard choice, but it's the right choice because you know, you've got to make sure you have that balance to be effective and efficient in your work because if you're outside of your work you've got you're not balanced you're not in a great place i mean i the last the last 12 months i've done three holidays and actually real holidays that weren't any coffee involved oh at my all gosh. yeah I, I, I went to i went to tenerife um, with my mom my mom's from Canuck, bless her. Um, yes, why well, she wants to go to Tenerife, but that was fun. And then I went to uh, I went to San Sebastian and just ate amazing food in northern Spain, which was just absolutely stunning. Uh, and I'm going to Gotland next week for not next week for midsummer, um, which is going to be fun too. So I get to go and sit in a cottage in the middle of nowhere for ten days with no internet. Oh my gosh, you're going to survive? I don't know. You'll be fine. I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll still take the laptop. Very good. <laughs> Well, listen, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's wonderful to see you. And um, thank you so much for having a chat. And for the listeners, you can find Steve at Mm hasbeen.co.uk and on Twitter. At hasbeen. At hasbeen. And Instagram. B-E-A-N. Um, oh yeah, and at has been as well. I'm very good at snaffling the URLs fairly early. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. No. Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me on, and and also thank you for all of your support over the previous years, John. You've been um, you've always been an inspiration with the stuff that you do, and uh, yeah. I'm blushing. While, while everybody's been sick the other end, but no, you, you, you know what you're doing is amazing, and uh, I'm really pleased to see you into the podcasting world. It's uh, it's about time. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm really, really enjoying it. And uh, even more so being able to have great friends and guests on the show. Thank you. So we've had so much fun that I totally forgot to ask my regular question to Steve. So, Steve, we've come back on again. Hello. Um, Hello. <laughs> you thought we were gone, but we're back. We're back. So the regular question I ask guests is, has there been... A brand, a service, or a product that's recently really stood out 
Has you. there been? So what you oh, did there. So you did there. It wasn't deliberate. No, I guessed. I've got a couple actually, because I I, I, re- I, I I knew you were going to ask this, so I I thought about it last night. And I forgot. Yeah, and you forgot. Um, service. I don't know if you've ever been to Lush. The shops that sell natural products. Yeah. Bath and shower and beauty products. I have been to Lush. Their service is immense. Have like, you been recently? Yeah. And I've had such good experiences. And whether it's just... I, I, I thought it may be just localised. So the one in Birmingham might have extremely friendly staff who were very helpful. And I was looking for presents and they was just like bending over backwards to help. Running backwards and forwards. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just one shop. And then I was in Stockholm and they have them in Stockholm as well. Right. And I got exactly the same experience and I was like that's good ah this is trained this is taught they've got it right they've got it right so service wise I'm really I'm really impressed on how they're getting their message out there Uh, and I'm not their target audience yet I still came away thinking that was extraordinary like, that was something different to yep. what I normally get. But the brand-wise, like there's one that's jumped out at me and I've been absolutely loving. And again, it's this Swedish influence. Yeah. But um, there's a brewery called Omnipolo. They're based in Stockholm. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, their, their like brewery tap, brewery bar, is my local to where I, I live when I'm in Stockholm, so it's very convenient. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Um but their branding is phenomenal. And, like, and they're nailing it like worldwide at the minute. They're on fire as a brewery. Okay. But they actually don't own, own a brewery. So they're basically paying other people to make their beer in breweries. And they're and, branding it. And branding it and, and putting it out there. And there's no, there's no one thing I can put my finger on of the brand. Like, it's like, oh, it's this or it's this. But it's just really delicious beer served really well with lovely packaging and beautiful feelings to it. But also touching on things that are very important to Swedes. And it's not very popular in Sweden. It's much more popular outside of Sweden than in Sweden. But things like um, equality um, and things like uh, feminism and and, and things like that. And they did did this one beer that blew me away and it's called Yellow Belly. And it's a bottle that's wrapped in... Uh, a white paper with two eyes cut out and basically like it's very provocative yes you know you're just like what the heck are they doing and then when you take the wrapping off underneath on the label it says yellow belly a person who's a coward or hides behind what they do and there'd been a big push for the right wing in sweden for getting rid of immigrants and stuff like that and people were saying oh no i'm not right wing and then going in the voting booth and voting for the right wing so they were basically making a point about how you know it's cowardly to hide behind that you're something else and then in the voting booth vote in a different way and it was a collaboration with one of my favourite breweries in the UK called Buxton um, who I'm just a huge fan of so two of my favourite breweries coming together and making this beautiful statement about you know like don't be cowardly if that's what you think you're allowed to think it you know as long as it it doesn't turn into you know bad things but really made me stop and think about like actually this is it's a cowardly thing and and a very considered way of launching a a new product yeah and the beer was amazing as well you're really missing out on that one John but (laughs) you reckon my my belly says not no my belly's saying no I should stop too but um, no like I really love their branding and I think what they're doing is fantastic wonderful thank you I think we've actually finished. Can now. I finally go now? I reckon. You've shut me in this room for long enough. It's really hot. It, it is warm. We, it's um, 26 degrees, I think. And mm. we're recording this on the, the, the our, our summer, which is one week probably. Indeed. And yeah, I think my belly is rumbling as well. So yes. um, what, steak and chips, possibly? Sounds possible. All right. Thank you. The Remarkable Business Show. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Steve is one of life's good guys. He's one of the most generous people I know and someone I have so much respect for. I love spending time with you, Steve, and thank you again for coming on the show. So make sure you say hello to Steve over on Twitter at HasBeen and also subscribe to In My Mug or indeed sign up to coffee101.co.uk. Loads of great information on there. As you know, I'm a big fan of quotes, and this is the one that has made a lot of sense recently. To make every minute count, you've got to make every future minute count also. And that means living a life today that's not going to leave you burnt out and broke in five or ten years' time. Sean and I spoke in 2017 and recorded a terrific conversation, which, like Steve's, I've not done anything with until now. I'm going to try and get this sorted out for a future episode. In the meantime, have a look at what Sean does over on seanblanc.net. That's S-H-A-W-N-B-L-A-N-C.net. 
So, things that have caught my eye for this episode. So, as always, there are many things that have caught my eye recently, from air pollution monitoring devices to the rise of the new Challenger banks. More on this in a future show, I hope. And I'm always keen to try new things. One thing that I've been impressed with recently, or rather one brand or company, is Bulb. Bulb is one of the new energy companies challenging the likes of EDF, British Gas and E.ON here in the UK. The nice thing about Bulb is that they supply all their members with 100% renewable electricity and 10% green gas. They buy their energy from independent renewable generators and wherever possible they've got direct relationships with those generators. They've got a great app to use and importantly for me they're a certified B Corporation. Have a look at what a B Corporation really means online. So they meet the highest social and environmental standards and they're also very cost effective so big thumbs up bold feels like one of those companies you are connected to in terms of you kind of root for them you want them to do well there are many brands and products you don't give a second thought to and then there are ones you feel kind of invested in you care about what they're doing and whether they succeed or not bulb is one of those brands last but not least you can get 50 pounds off now if you switch and this is going to help me out too. I was one of those people who didn't switch regularly. Don't be like me. You can save significant amounts by switching your energy supplier. And what better way to start by getting £50 credit? If you're interested, just head on over to johnm.me slash getbulb. That's johnm, J-O-N-M dot me slash getbulb. Okay, that wraps it up for episode nine. Hooray, we've actually managed to get one out. Huge thank you to Harry and Howard at Engine 7 Audio. Check those guys out, engine7.co.uk. If you need anything to do with audio, these are the guys to use. You may know that I write a regular newsletter called The Bulletin. The subscribers are growing and the open rate on the emails is just above 75%. And when you first sign up, you get an ebook too packed with valuable tips. So give it a go. Head on over to theappleofmyeye.com slash newsletter. And all of these links will be in the show notes. Also, please do say hello over on Twitter. I'm at John Moss, J-O-N-M-O-S-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please let someone know. Send them a message or an email or tweet about the show. You can share this episode easily by clicking the share link on top of the page. If you're listening in the browser or in an app, just send somebody a message. If you can leave an honest review for The Remarkable Business Show on iTunes or Stitcher, this is really helpful. They make a great difference for the show's visibility and popularity and will allow me to have more interesting guests on. Last but not least, I'm starting to write more this year. And so I'm starting blogging again over on mossy.co.uk. That's M-O-S-S-Y.co.uk. So have a look, subscribe to the RSS feed and leave a comment. It would be wonderful to hear from any listeners. Until next time, don't tolerate average in your life. Life is way too short. Make every day count. <laughs>